where you are born, which parents you are born from, do not define the entire life that you still have to live. You can change your background, but you have to have the commitment of how that story ends. The story that you would want for yourself, the vision that you would want to say, this is what I want to do for myself, this is what I want to achieve. Essentially, you must be prepared to feel the pain for that which matters to you most. Hello and welcome to The Change Exchange, where we talk about the change moments in life, how we make it happen and how we deal with it when life makes it happen. In this podcast series called Change in One Generation, we meet people in our country who are now stepping into leading roles, but they come from homes where their parents did not have the opportunity to fulfill their potential through study or otherwise. And in one generation, they are changing their own and often their family's environment completely. I am your host, Ruda Landman. I am joined at the microphone by Dr. Frank Magwegwe, who teaches financial wellness and personal empowerment at Gibbs in Johannesburg. And Frank has taught me and our listeners to previous episodes a wonderful equation, which sums up the underlying principles of change. D times V times F must be greater than R. Dissatisfaction with your present circumstances or your, even your future circumstances as you may see them, times a vision of how it can be different, times first steps that you take, baby steps, Frank calls them. Yeah. All of that must be greater than resistance. And Frank, you always say it's multiplication, not addition. Because Correct. if any one of them is zero... Then the whole lot falls down. The whole lot falls down. <laughs> I give you an A plus for the way you explain this change formula, Ruda. Well done. But you also in- emphasize uh, another element, social support. Absolutely. Because often we think change is a is a lonely journey. And um, listeners to our previous podcast have heard these amazing stories where somewhere in someone's change journey, there is some help that comes either a person that you meet and ask directly for help, or sometimes they offer help without you asking. Or and some that, structure. Or some structure that is important, Ruda, or some structure that comes through and that provides you with that support that you need to progress as far as change is concerned. So it's very important to understand that change is a team sport. You really don't um, work well on change if you're just alone. Our guest today is Isaiah Mshlanga, Chief Economist and Head of Research at Rand Merchant Bank. Isaiah, thank you very much for making time. I don't think there's much of that in your schedule. Thank you so much. Uh, Lovely to be here. Uh, Somewhat of of a surprise, uh, but I'm glad to be here. What were your circumstances growing up? What uh, And what was the picture in your head when you were a little boy playing on the streets of what was it, Dobsonville? What was the picture in your head? Where were you going? Where did you see yourself as an adult? Look, I think as a young person, uh, quite playful. You don't mind because uh, parents are there. 
So you don't really think about the big risks uh, or where food is going to come from. Uh, you just know it's going to be there when it's required. But then uh, uh, mom passes on and everything changes. You were a teenager? Um, hmm? Yeah, I was 17 at the time. Uh, which then necessitated a different approach because the support system that used to be there is no longer there. Well, at least not in the same way that it used to be. So it necessitated some some changes in approach, but it also brought a different sense of what one needed to do in order to make it in life and uh, and live a decent and decent livelihood. Frank, uh, I said in the intro that sometimes we make decisions and sometimes life makes them for for us. Is there research about resilience, about what makes a person find a way and find his or her feet again? And or it could also, I mean, you could have gone off the rails. You could have given up. Resilience definitely comes into play. Remember on the podcast, we define resilience really as a skill. It's the capacity to overcome tragedy, to overcome trauma, failure, mistakes. So it's, it's really one of those, um, I almost think of it as, a, as this skill that is necessary for navigating change. So one of the elements that comes to... It's like being fit. It's like being fit, absolutely. And the thing that's coming to mind for me, and I'm sure we'll hear as we proceed with our wonderful dialogue with Isaiah, is that the engine of resilience, Ruda, is optimism. The idea that things are going to be okay in the future. In time, good things happen to people. You might not know exactly how it will happen, but that's just that belief is so powerful, particularly when you're going through grief. And I suppose the the other side of that is the conviction that you can actually do something about it. It's not you're not a victim of circumstance. Absolutely. Your uncle sat you down and had a very serious conversation. Yes. Indeed, uh, and I think uh, that's uh, you know the support structure that Dr. Magwege speaks about. Without him and the intervention that he made, life could have taken a completely different course. What did he say? He said to me, your role is to go to school and that alone and nothing else. To such an extent that even funerals would say, you have no business going to bury the dead. I would do that. That was it. And he said to me, there is no one that is going to be able to afford to pay your school fees, to pay university fees. So the only way that you have to do is to pass so well such that everybody that sees your results will be compelled to do something. And this was before NISFAS. It was, uh, <laughs> it was much more uncertain. Huh? Absolutely. It was much more uncertain. And it, it, it was not possible at the time for any family member to go to a bank and borrow money for me to go to, to, to invest. It wasn't possible. So that was the only way. And then you made a decision that I find so admirable because so few people managed to do that. You stepped away from the group. You said, okay, the rest of you are partying and playing soccer or whatever you're doing. I am sitting at my desk or at a desk somewhere and I'm studying. Was that a conscious decision? It it was a conscious decision. Uh, I had to make an assessment of group of friends that I had, what sort of family backgrounds were they, where they come from, and how does that compare to my family background? 
Essentially, I had no safety net which they had. So I had to behave differently in order to, to pursue and be successful in that which I, I had to do before I could access uh, tertiary education. And that was just to pass a metric very well. That was my sole focus and nothing else. So I never went to any party. I would not even watch all those uh, normal soapies like Generations. I would not watch those. Every Saturday, I would be going to, to the library when others are playing. And, and it became somewhat of a bad thing, uh, you know, among us, uh, you know, peers or, or young people. You become sort of a laughing stock, like, look at this one. You know, every day he's weird. he's weird carrying a school bag on a Saturday when we are having fun. And you are sort of boring because you don't stick around for, 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 for too long. Um, and I understood I had a particular mission to achieve that was perhaps different to, to others. And I was okay with the, the treatment at the time because for me, uh, the, the goal was bigger than, than the pain of the treatment. And Ruda, do you, I have to come in here, I can't wait. Did you hear the three elements of the formula coming through right here? Number one, D, dissatisfaction with the status quo. There is no money for anyone to take you to tertiary education. V, your passport is studying hard and you pass and you see what happens when you are in possession of a good metric. Baby steps. I looked at my friends. They had a different mission. I went to the library every Saturday. Baby steps to that good metric that he was looking for. Overcoming the resistance, which I think to a very large extent for, for most teenagers is to fit in with the group. Correct. You, you want to be part of but you had such a conviction that there is a different future possible. Absolutely. I think this is something that has become part of who I am. I, I am not afraid to be different. I embrace different views and I am never apologetic for being different as long as my being different is for a good cause. I embrace it fully. So your vision is clear. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, you know, with with uh, opportunities comes responsibility. I've always believed that nature somehow gives you opportunities, but not for free. Those opportunities bestow on you certain responsibilities. So I understood then that I would have to bear the responsibility of helping my siblings out because they will be in the same circumstance if I don't do something. And they have to be someone that carries that weight. We can't all wait to be, you know, helped without us willing to be the helper. So for me, having my uncle, uh, Simon, who took you know, the, the responsibility of providing such a safe space, however inconducive it was in terms of uh, providing an ample space to actually study properly, it was what he could provide. That for me was, a, you know, an opportunity that was created. So I had to make use of it. 
to make sure that that brings uh, you know a, a results that will make me responsible enough to do that which I believe is my role, which is to uplift others. Agency. Hmm? Yeah. And you know what's also coming to mind for me? Another tool that helps us build resilience, that skill of, of um, positively adapting to challenges and change, is gratitude. Did you hear the gratitude come? Look at my uncle. This is what he has. With his limited means, he's given me an opportunity. I'm grateful for it. I'm going to make it work so that I help my siblings. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. People don't spend a lot of time thinking about financial services. They simply think about the money they need to do things and the things they need to do with money. That's why at Brightrock, we don't think of ourselves as a financial services provider. Rather, we're a money company. In fact, we're the needs-matched money company. Everything we do is about meeting people's changing needs. That's why we created the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. And because we want to meet people's changing needs throughout their lives, we set out to learn everything and share everything there is to know about change. We call it Change Science, and you can learn all about it at The Change Exchange, a free resource that's filled with tips, tools, and inspiring stories to help you navigate change in your life. You can find more on changeexchange.co.za or on your preferred podcast platform. Just search for Change Exchange. Made just for you by Brightrock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. Welcome back to Change in One Generation, where our guest is Chief Economist at RMB, Isaiah Mhlanga. The other thing I also want to link up with, I've listened to um, conversations that you've had um, on radio, etc., and you have a very interesting take on what is often called black tax. Talk to us about that. Look, um, yeah, the, the, the usual way that people view uh, helping your family uh, it's, it's sort of they're being taxed. Um, you know, you, you pay taxes not because you want to. It's by law uh, that you have to pay tax, so you are forced to. But making that similar to helping the people that you love, for me, does not make sense because you help out of your own willingness to do so because you feel good by doing it and because you can see the impact that it would make directly, which is very different to taxes. Sometimes you don't even see the benefits of taxes. Uh, they disappear uh, as, we, as we have become uh, aware of in, in our country. So for me, helping my family is not black tax. You know, you can go back generations, many hundreds of years, the success of different families was possible because one in that family took the responsibility of making sure that the whole of the family is well taken care of. The rest of the family is educated. The rest of the family is involved in businesses. It wasn't viewed as black tax then. Why should we view it as black tax today? Most successful families, wealth is passed from generation to generation. 
it's not viewed as black tax. Why should we view it as black tax? But you also have a, a very clear sense of kind of cause and effect. You said in one interview that if you are the only one who can provide, then you will forever be the one who provides. Absolutely. So it, it actually makes sense for you. It's actually in your uh, uh, best interest to empower so that you don't have to do it until you turn it. Empower them to be independent, to stand on their feet. I think it's the, it's the popular saying, teach a man how to fish, then they will have food for the rest of their life. But if you give them fish for a day, they'll come back tomorrow again. And Rudy Duye also was coming up. I mean, it's so exciting, the idea we have spoken about on this podcast of a mindset. What is a mindset? Set of beliefs, attitudes, knowledge we have towards something. And you can see the views around black text, the views around helping others so that I uplift the family. When you are navigating change with such a strong foundation of beliefs, almost core values guiding you, it's much easier when you're navigating change because you, you, your why is very clear to you. And you make it practical as well in a, f a wonderful <laughs> way. He didn't go to, did you read that? That uh, didn't go to the matric uh, family? No, no, no yeah. I didn't. I was yeah, like, yeah. what sense of it? Let's hear it from him. Because, yeah. because there's nothing yeah. yet to celebrate. Yeah, look, it just didn't make sense. Uh, you know, I, I knew I had passed well. Uh, you know, because the, the amount of uh, studying that I did yeah. and when I was writing results, I mean, uh, you know, exams, I knew this. I know I have seen it before and I have done it before. So uh, I, I, I never had any expectations of something different. So I knew I had passed. But the mere fact that results were still outstanding, I haven't seen and confirmed, it made no sense for me to go and celebrate uh, something that we haven't achieved because many of those learners that go and celebrate uh, or some of the learners that go and celebrate they actually don't make it then they repeat some actually even commit suicide it's something that we see because sad, yeah. you know which is quite sad so for me it didn't make sense why i should celebrate something i have not yet achieved but even you know looked at it differently to celebrate, you normally need the resources, okay? <laughs> uh, which which I did not have, and I didn't want to 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 burden my uncle who had put so much of the little that he had just because I need to wear a suit for a day and go to some place and eat fancy food when I know at home that's not what we have. It just didn't make sense. Instead, I had you know. A, a vision for myself to say when I can, I will celebrate properly where I can afford, which means I can decide where to go, to go what to do, and what day. And you started wow. putting away money even from a trick. Huh? Tell us that story. Well, look, I think it started in first year where, when I was at, at uh, the University of Johannesburg, which is where, where I studied for all, all my, my, my post-metric uh, qualifications. Uh, I became a tutor there. So I would put money aside uh, out of the, the, the tutoring and I was sponsored, of course, in terms of my, my studies by Investec uh, because I became part of a program that is called Promets, which is based in Dobsonville, started by Mr. Mabizela, Tumelo Mabizela, 
and of course sponsored by Investec as well. Uh, which falls under the Kutranong Center for Math, Science and Technology. We've had Setukhani Manchide as a previous guest yeah. on the, on so, the podcast. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful, passionate social entrepreneur. Um, so that attendance of that program, which is essentially used to run from, from Friday to Sunday. So essentially you are at school every day of the week. But when we went there on Fridays, we only do two subjects, maths and science. The same on Saturday, the same on Sundays. And that's what helped me to have the, the metric results that I, I managed to, to, to produce. The first, which, the first kid in Soweto to achieve six A's. Yeah, six A's all on higher grades. Well done. Um, wow. Look, Back then, it wasn't normal. These days, it looks like it's every often. other kid yes. uh, is doing is doing it. Yeah. But back then, it wasn't as as as, as common, yeah. uh, which is what eventually uh, made it possible for me to to find sponsorship. I remember I had not applied to any university. I had just focused on producing metric results. That's it. That was my core focus. I didn't want to think beyond that. So when metric result came, I took my metric statement. I went to Kutwano. I say to Mr. Mabizela, well, you said we must pass all. Here are my, re- my results. I need to go to school, but yeah. I haven't registered. I haven't applied for any bursary. He looked at the results and he said, okay, we have to do something. So essentially, the, 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 the very same vision I have had to say, whoever looks at it must be impe- compelled to do something happened. We went to uh, Investec spoke to Setlokhan uh, Manchidi, and he also said, look, we have gone through all the uh, interviews for learners that we are going to sponsor, and we have closed, but we will make an exception. And what about university? Had you applied? No, I had not applied. Um, I had no money to, to uh, take a taxi to VETS uh, or to UJ or to other institutions. We did not have at the time uh, universities coming to our high schools, uh, you know, helping learners choose careers. So we didn't have any of that. So um, through a network that Setlohane Manchidi had at the University of Johannesburg, I got connected to a gentleman called Yelfin Krifion, who was a lecturer of accounting uh, at the University of Johannesburg. Also, he was the coordinator of the Tutuka program which essentially uh, sponsors uh, kids from disadvantaged backgrounds to study accounting with the aim of uh, qualifying as chartered accountants. So I get there uh, to Yelfin. I show him my uh, metric uh, statement. He said, well, you, you passed well, but it had to go to the dean uh, of uh, you know, Faculty of Economic and Financial Sciences, Professor Amanda Dempsey to say, look, we had closed, but you passed well, you should be able to catch up. It's only two weeks of classes. So uh, an exception was made. But then I was registered for accounting, which is something that I have never done. I have always been a science and maths student, never done accounting in high school. And I was not willing to sit at home for a year doing nothing um, and, and just waste one year so that I could do something that I thought this is what I want to do. So in my mind, I had a scholarship now guaranteed from Investec. 
I'm being given a, a chance to study uh, the University of Johannesburg Accounting. So I said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, to register for it and uh, I'll figure out as, as, as I go uh, what eventually, uh, you know, happens. So and you'd, you'd never had accounting at school? No, never had accounting at school. Okay, right. Um, Let's just do this new thing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> never had you change moment, right? Change to get university, so, getting the scholarship, registering, and I'm studying this thing for the first time. Yeah. But I want to, um, Frank, Just I want to just come in there. But, uh, so many young people, and especially I think first generationers, believe that they have no network. They have there's no one that they can reach out to. But this shows you that that's actually not correct, yeah. huh? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one, it's about how you think about if you have a network or not. So when Isaiah was speaking, I wrote down here, you know, Promets as a support system or network. I wrote Mr. Mabisela and Investec. But I think what we must bring out, Ruda, for our listeners, especially the young people that we are talking about here, if you believe I don't have a network, it's really to broaden the way you think about a network. Because if you think about it in townships, church, that's a network where you can take your results. I've passed well. Can someone please help me? So I think that's proactiveness on your part to say, I'm just going to approach people. And I guess that willingness to ask for help and it's okay if they say no, that's the worst thing that can happen. I think it's coming through strongly. Yeah, if I could add on that, we, we all have networks. The The difference is, are they networks that help you or networks that do not help you? We all have friends. That's Those are networks. Yeah. But are those friends able to help you or they are not going to be able to help you. So essentially, it's increasing the surface area of useful networks. Being in right spaces where you have the ability or the chance to be helped. If I wasn't at Promets at Kutwano, I would never have met Mr. Mabitela. So that change from maybe on the streets with other kids playing into Promets, that created the surface area for me to collide with Mr. Mabitela. You know, but I think it's it's so important to tell young people that your choice of friends is crucial because they can either, as you say, support your your flight towards your goal or they can keep pulling you in a different direction yes. and derail it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you look at geese flying yes. in formation, that v formation, they get yeah. much further if they if they f are flying in the same direction, but if your energy is going towards A and your friends are all pulling towards Z, uh, it's going to trip you up. Absolutely. To mix a metaphor. Yeah, absolutely. And and I came up with a term then, which is essentially de-scheme. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, in the in the you know normal parlance, we call your friends scheme sako. It's like that's your scheme. Uh, I would say if this doesn't work for my vision, it's not aligned to what I do. If it takes me from studying, I'm going to de-scheme you, essentially. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I'm going to cancel um, you. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so it, look, it's, it's something that I had to do because there are so many distractions to, to what you want to do. And part of making sure that you, you succeed is to remove as much distraction as possible. How did you think about your mom? You registered for account, not quite what you wanted to do, 
But the fact of the matter is top students were to six A's at high grade and at university. Did you look back and say, what, does, what did it mean for you then in relation to losing your mom as a teenager? Look, it, uh, it meant a golden opportunity to change history, to change the background or to alter the background into something that is better in future. But I guess that was also influenced by, uh, you know, one movie that I watched where, where Denzel Washington is an actor. Essentially, it says something that says, we do what we have to do in order to do what we want to do. So at the time, that's how I understood that I had to do that so that in future I would do what I want to do. And linked to that, you have a wonderful way of setting a goal and then uh, rewarding yourself when you get to that. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's a... It's something that is, you know, uh, much more recent, I guess. Uh, every time, or at, at least once a month, after setting myself to say, this is what I want to do, I, I sit back and reward myself. I go and buy a salmon, uh, I buy a bottle of champagne, and I sit by myself and enjoy for breakfast once a month. And celebrate. And celebrate. Wow. It's, it's, it's small, but I think it's a reminder to say you have to take a step back and celebrate the little successes along the way. And it's, it's, it's quite important because you, I get to look forward to that. No one around, just by myself, not even my siblings are invited. It's just for me. I spoke about gratitude earlier, and I want to touch on two things quickly. The first one, I don't know if you've noticed that Isaiah, when he talks about turning points, he knows all the names. Have you noticed that? Mr. Bamnabitsela, the head of department at UJ, this lecturer, and it went to the you know, VC. What that means is, here is someone who, something big happened to them, a turning point, someone helped them, that step on the ladder. And it's a way of gratitude when we remember who helped me when, right? So that's evidence of kind of the gratitude he carries in his heart. And more importantly, just listen to what he said now. Small things, I'm grateful for what I'm achieving. It might not be big to other people, and I'm going to celebrate it. And that again talks to gratitude, talks to optimism. And those are the, often people call them soft things. But that's what matter to navigate the change in the world. And of course, our listeners would know, we're not just talking about change in his life circumstances, but we're also equipping them, right, with the signs of change, tools that you need to cope with load shedding, to cope with anything that's happening in your life. Optimism, gratitude, they build resilience, networks. I'm hoping that our listeners are connecting the dots in this amazing story. And celebrating, even if it's a small, small achievement, things. the yes. small good things. Yeah. Be aware, mark and in fact, you know what they do, Ruda? They say, in the midst of load shedding and potholes and the circus of mayors we are having in our metros, <laughs> I still have something to be grateful for. Absolutely. The other thing, uh, we've talked about the social support and the networks and the uh, formal and informal. Um, is there research about how individuals changing in the end changes a society? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think if you just look at the multiplier effect, for example, as I touched on it, the fact that he was the first in his uh, family, then he's helping his siblings, 
right? Not only is it helping him, as he has said, but there is a lot of evidence that, and a lot of research that do that at Gibbs, and a lot of global scholars do that to really show the impact of first generation people black black american african in our case colored indian going to university and what it actually does for their families so if i look in my own story i'm sure same with isaiah first one to go to varsity then what did i do helped my sister she's got a become in industrial psychology me and her we helped our brother he's got an ms in social work then we helped our other brother he's into nursing so you can really see how that uplifts and it's not only uplifting the sibling the community because there's also that aspiration looking at this family ah, isaiah just from here in dobson view look how this family has done absolutely it's huge for countries and nations and it's also you are paying it forward if i can put it that way you are on the board of um, both study trust to administer the bursary you got originally yeah and Kutluan, uh, help me Kutluan. Yeah. i am yes um i i, I am a non-executive board member of of Kutluanong, uh, and a trustee at, at study trust so you're um, feeding it back absolutely i have seen what these two uh, institutions have done in my life and i think uh, it's 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 almost it's an obligation uh, to 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 pay back paid for it, uh, not an obligation in a, in a negative sense. Uh, it's something that uh, I, ha- I have to do to, to, to plow back the investments that this organization have made in my life uh, without me having to pay a cent. And if I may just ask this, I'm so intrigued because I also had an opportunity, thanks to Ruda here, to do some work with, with Study Trust. So when you tell these young people your story, look at me, Isaac, this is what I do. Many moons ago, top students, six A's at high grade. In, what impact does that have on them when you share your story? Look, I have gone to meet some of the young people in corporate that come and say, because of the talk that, we, that you came to, to give us, it gave me a different sense of direction. And I was able to, to, to persevere through my studies. And today I'm working at this place and that place. Um, sometimes you just need one individual to say something that intrigues you, becomes a light bulb moment. Things change from there. Uh, sometimes you just need exposure to a different environment to see how other people live. And that becomes a, an intriguing moment to say, this is the life that I also want. But then you have to say, and I'm prepared to work to get there, you know. And and you see that happen um, many times, many times over. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. We created the Change Exchange because at Brightrock we love change, and we wanted to know and share everything there is to know about change and how it impacts our lives. We call it. Change Science. Change Science shows that everyone can get better at navigating change and that in all moments of change, there's always opportunity. To learn more about Change Science, visit the Change Exchange, our free resource that's filled with tips, tools, and inspiring stories to help you navigate change in your life. Just like the stories in this podcast, you can find many more on changeexchange.co.za or on your preferred podcast platform. Just search for Change Exchange. 
made just for you by BrightRock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. Welcome back to Change in One Generation, where our guest is Chief Economist at RMB, Isaiah Mhlanga. So what is your what is your message if you go and speak to your old school, yeah. for example? Or I want to make it more personal. If you sit down with one of the grade 11s yes. um, and he or she comes from similar background, there's no money, what do you say? Look, it's uh, saying, look, you might be in the circumstances that look dire currently. But as Bessie had said in her book, Maru, heredity, nothing, environment, everything. You can make it, you can change the environment. Where you are born, which parents you are born from, do not define the entire life that you still have to live. You can change your background, but you have to have the commitment of how that story ends. The story that you would want for yourself, the vision that you would want to say, this is what I want to do for myself. This is what I want to achieve. Essentially, you must be prepared to feel the pain for that which matters to you most. We often ask our guests with manage to overcome obstacles and navigate difficult change in their life. When you look back, I'm wondering, Isaiah, and this great 11 are sitting next to them as the picture Ruda has painted, uh, you know, for us. And they ask you, the mindset, the beliefs, the way you carry your life, the celebrating on my own with this bottle of champagne, what drives it? Where does it come from? If they want the secret sauce. Look, I think it's the belief that tomorrow is always better, can always be better than today. Right. Uh, once you have that hope, that gives you a reason to look forward to the next day, you, ha you have started the process. And then the next step would be, what is it that I need to do to make that tomorrow possible? Um, I think for me, that's that's pretty much sums it. And to know that there are people around that will always be willing to help. Uh, we are never short of help. There is someone somewhere that will hear your call and respond. And for me, I can name many of them. My uncle Simon, my aunt Joyce, uh, one of my uh, the teachers at Matsidiso who was not actually teaching me, but she took an interest, Memsonlan, uh, gave me a pack plastic full of books when I was finishing grade 11, uh, going into grade 12, uh, you know, in November. Um, and I studied those books throughout December, preparing for grade 12. Wow. Now, so there, there was someone that was willing to, to, to help. Uh, and then we can talk about my Mr. Mabizela, uh, Mr. Setlohano Manchidi, uh, you know, uh, Stephen Kosev agreeing to pay uh, even after processes have, have closed. Uh, he might not even remember me. I don't think he does. Uh, you know, uh, uh, he might not even remember me, but I remember because of the impact that uh, that he did. And uh, Yelfin Krivion, 
at UJ, Professor Amanda Dempsey, uh, some of my professors that eventually made it possible for me to become a research assistant at the University of Johannesburg. Uh, professor, uh, you know, John Mwamba, who was my uh, professor for financial economics uh, at MCOM. Uh, you know, Professor Bonga Bonga, um, Professor Kabundi, that gave me a business card and said, look, the IMF local office in Pretoria is looking for junior economists. Here's a business card. Call. I called. I was invited for an interview, and I got the job. <laughs> then therein lies the beginning of my professional economist career, that every person that does economics, if they start at the IMF, that's a perfect start. Right. And, you know, there were people that saw something in me because I will always be loitering at the department. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm always at the department loitering, asking them this question and that question, uh, asking emphasis on certain topics. And they saw I had interests. Uh, and eventually, uh, you know, I had mentors outside that I bumped into by chance. Uh, Lesiba Motata, for instance, he convinced me to do MCOM in financial economics at UJ because he was doing it. Uh, and, and ultimately, he's the person that, uh, you know, told me of an opportunity at Alexander Forbes to, to join and, become, and succeed him as, as the chief economist. There has been this amazing array of people. Yeah. But if you hadn't reached out. Correct. Absolutely. So the first impulse, the first... Yeah energy must come from you absolutely and that means first you must believe absolutely said that it can i can yes and then you will find you absolutely. will find someone. so it's increasing the surface area for the opportunities to knock but you have to apply some energy for that to happen wow what an amazing story i think for me Ruda, i summarize it as this gratitude and optimism yeah. as the drivers for Isaiah to navigate change in the world and they hold him in good stead because he's still going to experience much, much more change in his own life, professionally and personally. And the willingness to be different and the willingness to work bloody hard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, and, and that point, I think, is uh, it's understated. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the willingness to work very hard is understated. Sometimes when young people look at people that have succeed, succeeded some level of success, they think maybe it came on a silver platter. Uh, they want to be he like that lucky. without Correct. exactly yeah. without putting the, 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 the effort. But the way that I normally explain this is to use something they are well familiar with. Uh, superstars in sports, uh, you can take Ronaldo. He's the most hardworking person, yet he's the most skilled person. Uh, Leo, Lionel Messi, also the most talented, but they train so hard. Tiger Woods, the best golfer of all time, but he used to, you know, if you read, uh, you know, about him, train a lot more than everybody else. So it seems to me uh, that the most talented people are just the most hardworking people as well. True. You know, uh, it's, there isn't any silver bullet. Um, the more you work, the luckier you become. Uh, that's 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 as simple as that. Oh, 
My goodness. Thank you so much. So On that inspiring. note, we bring this to an end. Thank you so much, gentlemen, both of you. This ah, has been thanks, a Ruzi. really a interesting conversation. conversation. Yeah, thanks, Isaiah. Thank you. All thank of the very, very best. Thank you so much uh, for, for, for having me on, on the show. And now you know why you were here. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Do look for other episodes in this podcast series, Change in One Generation. You'll find it wherever you listen to your podcasts. The guests are fascinating and the science makes you feel you understand how it actually works. Until the next time, goodbye. <laughs>